millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your fabulous host, Jem Daduchu, and this time round, we are going to glow you up, girl. We <laughs> can't, can't keep doing it. I'm, I'm going to keep going. I want you to be fabulous. In fact, I want you to be flawless. Absolutely flawless. In this episode, because I'm doing makeup, which means I'm going to go back far further than you would ever expect. And men are going to appear in this, not just in the 20th century. Oh no, the boys have been making themselves look amazing for millennia. So this is a really fabulous topic. It allows me to cover so many different things. And let's have some fun with this. And maybe, just maybe by the end of it, I will make you think about makeup in a different way either positively or negatively, because it has both those connotations. It is something that is inherently reflective of the societies that it's in. Right, I'm going to start off with where we are now, and I want to talk about Instagram influencers. What's good, Brooklanders? It's your girl, Brooklyn, coming at you from the best place ever, Camp Cretaceous. Like and subscribe to join me as I... Unbox Jurassic World. Okay, because I did some research on the top five most searched for topics on Instagram. And really, apart from one of them, four of them are all about love, finding that person, how to be fabulous, and indeed specifically makeup tips. And this I find utterly absorbing. Why? Because... If we go back before the age of the internet, if you were to become a famous person, you would have to be either on TV, maybe you're a writer, but that was pretty rare that a writer would break out into the general consciousness, or you're in the movies. So in other words, very large corporations held the sway as to whether you were or weren't going to become a big deal. Yes, there's also the element of like music and radio as well, I hear you. But what I find fascinating, because as a presenter, DJ, and there was an element of subversiveness in the world of radio back in the 60s, when you had the pirate radio stations, so-called, because literally they're in ships anchored just off the coast of England, 
so that they could play whatever they wanted to and weren't restricted to various censorship rules in Britain at that time. But that's very much of its time, of its age. It's not a thing that happens anymore. But more importantly, when you saw people on the TV as a young kid, it's like, well, how do I get to do that? And the answer is, it's not very easy. But now, today, in the 21st century, it's more easy than ever. In fact, it's the easiest it's ever been to reach out to a large audience than it ever has been in the entirety of history. And whereas the murky world of YouTube celebrity is a bit more complicated than it may first appear, what is interesting is, at least at the very early stages of the likes of Instagram and YouTube and Twitter, there were some people who genuinely just had some really interesting ideas and they were very good at what they did and were able, even though they were perhaps a teenager doing it from their own bedroom, able to start generating serious money from this. A great example would be a channel, Tobuscus. It doesn't have anything to do with makeup, but good old Tobuscus, he did these comedy skits and he was clearly a young man who was just enjoying things. Now things blew up for him, there were various allegations around him and to be honest I didn't bother looking into exactly whether they were verified or not but this is, if you like, the downside of all this stuff whereas lots of allegations were made about actors in the 1950s but you had an entire organisation to make those things go away or fight your case. Whereas if you are just a teenager in your bedroom and somebody has a gripe against you, one of the first things you can just start doing is using that social media against them. It gets horribly murky. Like I said, some of these people clearly have done some terrible, awful things and need to be held accountable. Some of these other people, clearly they've done nothing wrong, but somebody's out to get them. And when you're a teenager or a young person in your 20s, you're only just starting out in your life and your career may be over before it's even started or before you've even had a chance to settle down with somebody etc. It's a little bit like footballers when we hear about these footballers from a team like Manchester United or whatever and sometimes they get into the newspapers getting really drunk or treating a woman really badly like dumping them for their sister I mean pretty abhorrent things but then you have to remember they're 22 years old and that's kind of how 22 year olds behave anyway but then add a few million pounds to it and then they, they're allowed to go into all their excesses it's the ones that manage to keep their feet on the floor that finally become the legends of football so much stuff in terms of this pop culture cult of celebrity is wrapped up around the world of makeup and so yes there are dozens of incredibly influential young women who are talking about makeup tips Sometimes they might even be diverting into another area. A few of these people have literally millions of followers. And when they do an endorsement of something, they can be earning hundreds of thousands of dollars. Their annual income can be better than some of the people you see on TV. But there is some pressures on that. For starters, it might have taken them a few years to build it. Maybe they've actually invested some money in terms of getting hits, getting adverts, etc. So somebody in the family has invested money and therefore they now need to pay that back in some form. And obviously if it goes well, great. But of course, if anybody can do it, everybody can do it. And there are loads of people out there who think that this is going to be their thing. I have my 
my kids, some of their friends. It's like, I'm not going to go to university. I'm just going to be an influencer on YouTube or on Instagram. And it's like, but your chances today in the 2020s is now fading away to the same chances you have of becoming a big hit on TV back in the 1970s, let's say. So the rules have changed. Again, big businesses have got involved. There are shortcuts. I've noticed that recently there's been a big launch in the UK of a political economics podcast starring George Osborne and Ed Balls. Now, if you don't know who these people were, George Osborne was the Conservative Chancellor about 10 years ago, and Ed Balls was the Shadow Chancellor, which always sounds so cool. I am the Shadow Treasury Secretary. But what it means is, I'm on the other party, not in power. So, George Osborne was not liked by a lot of people, and he's got a face that I'm pretty sure even his mother would want to slap. He's just, he just doesn't have easy charisma. Ed Balls has more charisma, but he did fundamentally fail to actually get into a position of power. So what have either of these got in terms of potential to be in a podcast? And the answer is nothing. There's no skill sets that you can learn from being the chancellor or shadow chancellor in terms of being a good podcaster. And yet they get to be on the front cover of various magazines, even though they have released one episode. And I've heard from a bunch of people like me who are only known for their podcasting or writing and not have a side hustle or main hustle, shall we say, in the world of celebrity or politics or whatever. And the answer from everybody is all the same. It's like, well, look, just because they're a name, that's how they get the deal. That's how they get the interest. But let's see if that podcast even exists in 18 months' time. They could well get bored, realise it's harder or more time-intensive than they thought, and move off somewhere else. Now, I don't wish anybody ill will in their chance to set up something like a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever, provided that's what they really want to do. And I just do not buy for a second that somebody who became the second most powerful person in the government, who is in charge of the seventh largest economy in the world, is absolutely dying to launch a podcast, which, yeah, I think you can work out that that's the thing. So let's go back to these young women, principally, and there's a few young men. There's one guy, I'm going to give these people no oxygen whatsoever in terms of names because uh, they've got a lot more followers than me. So we got one guy who told the people, I'm going to be at the Birmingham Bullring at a certain date. Now, if you don't know what the Birmingham Bull Ring is, don't worry, the people of Birmingham are not slaughtering bulls. It's the name of a shopping centre, a shopping mall, if you're an American. And this was one of the first signs that the general authorities had no idea of the sway of influencers because all of the roads around the Bull Ring jammed shut. There was a six-hour traffic jam as people queued up there is footage of it where he's sort of waving to people and there's multiple layers and the people are all around the balconies screaming at him, or largely young women. And that's the power of Instagram or YouTube in the 2020s, as opposed to he got the same reception as John Wayne would have been turning up at a shopping mall again in like 1970. But the chances are that person's probably never even heard of John Wayne. So the point is... It's an incredibly popular subject. It is something that people care about. Largely young women, but also young men now increasingly are using makeup and it's leading to dads turning around going, oh, for heaven's sakes, I'm pretty sure when they were landing on the beaches of Normandy, they didn't have their mascara in there or something like that as part of their essential kit to fight the war. 
Grease paint, what is it? Some green base, some coloring, smell, texture, color. Analyze it, what have you? Meaningless component parts. Set it on a make up table. A brush or two. Would you please shut up? Maybe that's a little too far, but just generally, I think when I go through the history of it, you'll see that shell people shouldn't be using makeup of either sex, okay? The other thing I wanted to say, though, about these influencers is there are limitations. And I love this story about when people try to use it in a slightly different way. Literally, millions of people will download their videos or tutorials and see what they've got to say. Of course, one of the problems with these makeup artists is there's only so many different ways you can apply makeup. And also, I am aware that d depending on ethnicity, different skin types need different types of makeup. Doing white woman's makeup on a black woman doesn't work and vice versa. So you need to adapt. There is absolutely skill here. This is artistry. It may not be quite the same as Da Vinci, but this isn't just get a roll of, of paint and just slap it on your face, job done. That would be the way I would do it. But anyway, I'm going to get fabulous now. So we've got all these ladies who are talking about their makeup and they've got millions of followers and they're largely young women and this all sounds absolutely amazing. Absolutely and so what did the film companies do? They went, hang on, we're relaunching the Charlie's Angels brand. Good morning, Angels. Good morning, Charlie. Charlie's Angels is an incredibly popular TV series in the 1970s, and then it got remade into a movie with some amazing names in it, like Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu, and that was, I'm going to say, probably 15, 20 years ago, and there was a chance to redo it just before COVID. So they remade it. But the point is, they knew their target market. This was about female empowerment. So why bother sticking adverts on daytime TV, which is going to be watched by old people, or in the middle of the football, which will have a very much a male slant to it. So they came up with the ingenious idea of let's get a sponsor of a drink that young women tend to find very attractive and aspirational. Good idea. And let's not do a load of poster campaigns and TV adverts. Instead, let's take a lot of these female influencers, these makeup influencers, we're going to take them on a great girly night out, they're going to drink the drink, they're going to watch the movie, and then they're going to write about it on their Instagram posts and do videos about it, etc. All of that makes complete sense. Why are you probably not aware of this? Because this bombed hard. When Charlie's Angels, the new one, came out, nobody went to see it. But why? They hit their main audience. But it turns out that the thing about the word influencer is it's a really good word. It influences people. It doesn't dictate to people. And the thing is, I am tuning in to see makeup tips. I don't know whether they know what a good or bad movie is. So when they start turning around going, oh, I love this film. It was amazing. Oh, I really suggest you go and see it, ladies. First of all, I know you've been paid to say that. And secondly, Maybe you don't like the same movies I like. And so it shows you that these people have limitations. And that's hardly surprising. 
because big name celebrities aren't able to sell pretty much everything, we tend to associate them with certain things. So, for example, Harrison Ford, absolute legend, been doing amazing stuff for 45 years, nearly 50 years, I suppose. And yet, if he went on TV and said, or a YouTube advert and said, uh, do you know what I want you to do? I want you to invest in Bitcoin. I would immediately go, I loved you in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I loved you as Han Solo. I think you're amazing in Blade Runner. Witness, yes, please. Yada, yada, yada. But I don't believe an 80-year-old knows anything about cryptocurrency. No, thank you. Good day to you, sir. So what we got here is an example that these influencers have limitations and in their world, they are as powerful and as influential in their zone as somebody like Harrison Ford is when it comes to making movies. And yet, they're 22. Who knows where these people are going to be in 20 years' time? A little sidebar is when I was growing up, and indeed this is something when I first started my history career, I wanted to make those amazing history documentaries that I saw growing up. These great event things like The World at War, for example, an amazing documentary series. But here's the problem. If you actually look at TV, terrestrial TV, both in America and both in Britain today, the only documentaries that are making it onto the likes of BBC One are nature documentaries fronted by David Attenborough. Now, Sir David Attenborough is a national institution. I hope he lives for another 95 years. But where are all the history ones gone? And the answer is there are now all these channels, like the History Channel, which shows hardly any actual history. But there are loads of channels out there replaying all these great documentaries, occasionally making a few more documentaries. But you go onto YouTube and there are these people who are basically making money out of ad revenues, which allows them to make really remarkable, high quality documentaries that, quite frankly, the BBC would have killed for that level of quality back in the 1970s. But now with modern technology and being able to do it in your bedroom with a few basic editing tools, you're able to do something as high quality as the TV networks, only they're not even making this stuff anymore. And so well done to them as well. So all of this shows that there is this new generation coming through that, quite frankly, is teaching these big, lumbering, dare I say it, almost obsolete organizations a thing or two about what people want and what you can do budgetarily and still create good quality content. Hence, we could be talking about makeup or history or whatever. You are listening to a podcast by somebody who cannot possibly earn enough money from a podcast to warrant this as the proper job. So I have a day job, as I've told for you guys on a number of occasions. And therefore, I have huge respect for these people who are able to create their niches and earn a living from it. I just don't know whether they've got the lasting power to still be doing this stuff in, like I say, 20 years' time, when they will still be in their early 40s. They have a long way to go before retirement age, and I do hope they are doing their, I think it's called a 401k in America, or your national insurance and paying into some kind of pension or ISA here in the UK. Yes, guys, let's talk about you... You tuned in for the makeup done, giving you the financial advice. By the way, Jem Daduchu is in no way qualified to give you financial advice, but you get the idea, save for the future, etc. Right, so that is the state of the world today. There is sometimes criticism about this. There is very negative connotations about men wearing makeup, and obviously there are different levels of makeup. 
I'm not even going to get into the whole sort of trans debate, but if we talk about the idea of a guy dressing up as a woman, the kind of drag queen act, that is a guy using very exaggerated makeup to look like a woman. There's a whole tradition of that kind of entertainment, not only in the gay community, but you get something called the Panto Dane. If you're not in Britain, this is an extremely weird thing to explain, but around Christmas time, one of the most popular things you can do in Britain, and I believe also in Australia and New Zealand, is one of the traditional fairy tales. So it could be Cinderella, it could be Aladdin, it could be Sleeping Beauty, Snow White. Those sorts of stories are turned into a very child-friendly theatre experience where there's sing-alongs and sometimes they just give up on the plot and there's just joke routines and there's lots of crowd participation, the classic thing where the main character is looking at the audience and something's creeping up and everybody shouts, it's behind you. And then they slowly turn around and the thing escapes. It's like, no, there's nothing there. You're just tricking me. And then the thing comes out again. Oh, it's great fun. But one of the principal things, no matter which topic we're talking about, there will be a guy who is dressed up as a woman and they are the panto dame. They're invariably the mother or the aunt and they always steal the show. And they are heavily makeuped and they got the most ridiculous outfits. They are ludicrous and so much fun. And you know what? I would love at some point in my career to be a panto dame. It's just I cannot sing to save my life. But... I know I could do it. I know I could do a good job, even though I would be a fabulously ugly Panto Dame. I guess I'd be one of the ugly sisters in Cinderella, but slash also Panto Dame as well. There we go. The hidden confessions of Jem there, buried in the middle of the makeup episode. So how long has makeup been around? If I'm talking about Instagram and followers... Well, it stands to reason that it's fairly recent, right? But you are aware that people wore makeup at the time of World War Two and World War One, so we're going back a hundred years, and most people are aware that people like Queen Elizabeth I had heavy lead makeup, so is it 500 years old? Is it a thousand years old? In medieval Europe, did anybody wear makeup? And the answer is, makeup, the history of it, goes back about 5,000 years. Now, we don't have any 5,000-year-old manuals on how to apply makeup. But we do have images from both ancient Babylon and... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From ancient Egypt, which depict people wearing makeup. Indeed, there are some elements of this that you may not even realize is makeup and just think is art. So, to give you an idea, the very first record that we have that makes reference to something that we could consider makeup is the idea that women in the ancient Babylonian society, so we're talking four and a half thousand years ago, give or take, that they would get wax, crush up semi-precious jewels, mix it in with the wax and apply it to their lips so they would have glittery colorful lips that is a lipstick it may not actually be in stick form but that's amazing and indeed it leads to anthropologists saying before we've got written records before we've got art did people wear makeup and also what do you define as makeup because if I turn around and say war paint, then you might turn around and say, well, that's not makeup, Jem. But what is it if not a pigment put on your face? And it's there to create a specific intent. And indeed, I remember, I think it was in the late 1980s, there was this range of makeup which had these women in like camouflage and they were opening up lipsticks but the sound effects were done like a cocking of a gun or a, or a shotgun sort of being primed. And the catchphrase at the end is, it's not makeup, it's ammunition. Like they're going to war to hunt down their man. Brilliant. Feminist, empowering message. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Probably quite problematic in America where ammunition is actually available. In Britain, we can tell it's a joke. So... Yes, it, these things have been out there for quite some time. But the idea of war paint, getting some paint and putting it just across your eyes, something as simple as that makes you look more sinister. This is the idea of war paint. And there are hints of it going into prehistory, into the Stone Age. Like I say, hints. And the thing is, there's a great depiction in southern England, there's a museum that's talking about the Neolithic, and there is a family, and they're half and half. Half of them is covered in what we can prove, and all pelts, etc. And the other half of them have the same animal pelts, but they're covered 
in pigmentations and there's tattoos on their faces and things like that. In other words, the point is we do not have evidence of that art. But if they're humans and we know people like art, and there is thousands, tens of thousands of year old examples of jewelry, of something that is not protective clothing, it's not there to keep you warm, it's just basically there to make you look pretty or handsome or whatever. I find that fascinating that we've got examples of that going back 10, 20,000 years. Now, I can't call that makeup per se, but the conversation of when can we prove it? We're talking about ancient Egyptians, ancient Babylon, but it had to have been there earlier, but we've got no evidence. Not going to turn this into a conspiracy podcast, all right? So, I've mentioned the, the ancient Babylonians. Now let's move over to ancient Egypt and something that you have all seen. We all know when I describe an ancient Egyptian, first of all, they're side on. If you want to know more about that, do listen to my Walk Like an Egyptian episode. Yeah, I did a whole 35-minute podcast on a three-minute pop song. So proud of that. The point is, in that, I talk about the imagery and that side-on imagery that we all have in our minds when I say the Egyptians. But the other thing we think about the Egyptians is their black eyeliner. Now, you might have thought that that was an artistic choice, but we now have archaeological evidence that, no, they are showing you coal. That's K-O-H-L, I believe. This is very dark mascara. I am guessing that that's the right word. I think eyeliner? I am a typical married man. I watch my wife apply lots of makeup on her face. There are very various different layers, like foundation. I know that's a thing. I've had to go into a shop and buy it on one occasion. I was given a sheet of paper. My wife, Liz, said, go buy me some foundation. Oh, and also get me some toner as well and cleanser. Okay, these are all ending in R, so I don't know what they are. Please write down exactly what they are. And she sighed at me. I went, oh, for heaven's sake. And I then turned around to her and went, look, if I told you to go in to a video game shop and buy Elden Ring for the PS5, you probably would come back with something wrong. You, you bring me back something ring on the Xbox or something because it's not what you care about. And it's the same thing with me and makeup, but I really want to get you the right thing. So, stuff round your eyes particularly over the eyelids, and in the case of the Egyptians, going out from the eye towards your ear in a straight line. That was standard adornment, ornamentation for both men and women. Of course, the other thing we see, the reason why it's taken me a long time to do a makeup episode is because I've said before, if you go pre-COVID, you can still find some of these episodes still out there. Condensed Histories, which at one point was called Condensed Histories Gems, was me and Greg, Greg the editor. He's an absolute dream. He and I would have a chat over a subject. So we've done makeup already, and we also did another episode on wigs. And also, this is an example of a request, and this is a request from one of the longest-running followers of me, first reached out to me on Facebook perhaps 10 years ago, maybe qu not quite as long as that, but TSP, that's what I'm going to call you this time around. You know I've got a huge amount of love and respect for you, and I really hope that you enjoy this fabulous, wonderful, makeup-tastic episode about makeup. And most importantly, I hope I put a smile on your face and every other listener's.
I am going to weave wigs in because I am not going to do a whole episode on my own about wigs and the pop culture of wigs, for heaven's sakes. But this is the first time I can bring the two together because when I say ancient Egyptian, you're thinking somebody of colour who is wearing a white loincloth, they have a luscious head of black hair, and they've got the coal makeup on. And the hair is a wig. Even the common person would have a black wig. And this is why people who are apparently 65 have luscious heads of hair. And it's not just ancient Egypt. It took me years. As a child, I assumed Charles II had amazing hair. No, he didn't. That's a wig. And so wigs have been around for a long time. I will be returning to wigs. So in other words, when it comes to an ancient Egyptian, there is a very specific look that they are going for, just as regimented as today. Nobody, when I was a little kid, had a belly button piercing, and nobody had stick-on little jewels to put in the corner of their eyes. Both those things are pretty standard adornments, makeup, whatever you want to call them, for a young woman in Western Europe today in the 21st century. I can remember in one of the first job interviews I was doing as a manager, actually, as an assistant manager, and we're talking about the mid-1990s, and this person had noticeably had tattoos leaking out from underneath their sleeve onto their wrist. So I could tell that they had a lot of tattoos, and there was a genuine conversation once the person had left about, is that what our company looks like? Is that representative of what we're going for? And again, moving forwards now, so, so I'm still having a career. Nobody bats an eyelid now, nowadays. I remember the same conversation, first time I spoke to somebody who clearly had a tongue stud. Again, over a 20, 25 year period, it's gone from being a real novelty that could lead to people going, oh, I'm not sure you should be in a corporate environment, to now, who cares? The managing director has a tongue stud and a tattoo sleeve and whatever. So things do change. If you are a younger listener, if you're in your 20s listening to this, don't assume that what everybody's wearing and what their worldview is right now amongst all you people in your 20s is going to be the same when you have kids in their teens or indeed later on in your career, let's say in 20 years time. Everything moves forwards. Just a brief aside, what I love is when we talk about the 1960s, and I say think of some fashion to do in the 1960s, you're probably going to think miniskirt. And you're right, in the early 1960s, the miniskirt was the hottest piece of fashion out there. But by the late 60s, it was seen as old-fashioned. So in the space of one decade, it goes from being shocking to mainstream to obsolete. And indeed, if you look at something like the Beatles, they couldn't have looked more different than they did in their first appearance in America on TV to what they looked like when they were singing on the rooftop in 1970. It was a space of seven years, eight years maximum, and yet they'd gone from being guys in suits with slightly long hair to incredibly long hair, facial hair all over the place, massive shaggy sheepskin jackets, all that kind of stuff. The fashion changed. And it's the same thing with the makeup. And this is why. When you get people like Mark Antony going to Egypt and starting to dress and wearing the makeup of the Egyptians. And that when that was seen by the Romans, it was seen very much as becoming sensual and barbarous and unacceptable, un-Roman. This is from more than 2,000 years ago. It's like, hey, that guy's wearing makeup. Oh, he's a bit weird, isn't he? Do you know what? That's still around 2,000 years later. But the guys were absolutely in Egypt wearing makeup as much as the girls. 
And like I say, everybody was wearing a wig. Just last point on that, it took, again, me years to discover, you know those statues of the pharaoh with that ridiculous conical beard? That was a strap-on beard that pharaohs would wear. Indeed, people like Cleopatra would strap a beard on so that she could be a pharaoh, because pharaoh was a specifically male-designated term, and therefore, as a woman, she was going to have to say to everybody, yeah, but I'm as good as a pharaoh, so here's the strap-on beard. There we go. Fake beard, something you didn't realise comes from ancient Egypt, and not from your novelty joke shop round the corner. Okay, so obviously I've got a lot of way to go, because I'm, I'm only at around the first century BC here. So cutting things, and I am going to look at this mainly from a Western perspective, I just don't have time. Here's a slight weird one from the world of the Aztecs. There were two things that they did to children to make them more attractive in the society. Not exactly make up either of these, but they would have a bead hung very close to the child's eyes because being slightly cross-eyed was a sign of attractiveness in the Aztec world and would explain why their archers were abysmal against the conquistadors because if everybody's cross-eyed you're gonna miss the target all right and the other slightly more sinister one is there are examples not i'm not saying everybody did this but there are examples of people filing their teeth into a sharp edge so in other words they looked more like shark's teeth or predatory teeth like a lion or cat than than just normal human teeth so that was a thing there we go. You've got different cultures, different societies. Just because I'm largely talking about Europe does not mean that the rest of the world didn't want to look good. Indeed, brief aside again on the world of wigs, or at least hair. I know somebody who is, uh, for a time, they were a relief worker. And I always found it interesting that the first sign that you'd gone from crisis levels of famine to just people who are now vulnerable and in temporary shelters, but the actual famine bit has passed. She said, the first thing you always notice is the women start worrying about their hair. They start doing something with their hair. When you're starving, you don't care. But when you've got food in your belly and you're feeling a bit more secure, you then start thinking about, I want to look good. I want to feel good. And indeed, there is the term, the lipstick factor, which is during tough times, for example, the cost of crisis living, people can't afford a new car or necessarily a trip to Barbados for a holiday. But if I want to just treat myself a little bit, the reason why it's called lipstick factor is a new lipstick doesn't cost an arm and a leg, but it can feel nice for a woman who wants to just do something a bit different. I fancy a different color lipstick. Good for you. You do you. We're going to whiz through the Middle Ages because, yeah, a few people will make up. It wasn't really much of a thing. But what we get when you get to people like Elizabeth I, and we now start getting more makeup, and we can go from the 1500s into the 1700s here, is particularly that very caked-on white lead, not good for you, causes all kinds of problems. This makeup is there for a reason. Rather than just enhancing your looks... The idea is I might have pock marks from smallpox, for example, and this has deformed my skin. And blemish-free skin is agreed throughout the whole world to be desirable. So if I've got blemishes, I'm going to cover them, and I'm going to use something like lead makeup 
And the problem with that is it's a major irritant to skin, so you're actually only going to make your skin worse. So you're going to apply more, and it's a vicious cycle, and then your face falls off. That's a lie. That's an exaggeration. Your face doesn't actually fall off, but this is not a good idea. Please, lead should be kept well away from the human being because it's quite toxic to us. So it's now being used for a reason. And like I say, there have been times in the past when you might have wanted to disguise various ailments or disfigurements or, or what have you. Or indeed, as you get older, your skin starts to sag. There is no way round that unless you're going to do plastic surgery. It's just a fact of life. Elasticity of skin starts to go around the age of 40. And by the way, for men between the age of 41 and 42, your eyesight will start changing. In essence, getting worse. That is just biology. Have fun with that. My point here is, I therefore find it very saddening that you get 20-year-olds thinking that they got to have thick makeup on and lots of stuff on the eyes, massive amounts of lipstick, sometimes lip filler as well, a very mild form of plastic surgery, or indeed stuff like Botox into your forehead, which reduces wrinkles. If you're 20 years old, you haven't had enough time to frown in your life to get wrinkle lines. You're kidding yourself. And even if you are 50 and you've got some wrinkle lines, you've earned those, okay? It's a sign that you've lived Please enjoy getting older. And the problem with the TV adverts in the modern world is you'll get people talking about, oh, I got cellulite, or oh, I got wrinkles. And they are a stick thin 19 year old. They have neither of those things. But by law, you have to show before and after. It's like, I don't have any of these things to begin with. I put it on, and look, I still don't have those things. It's like, okay, try it on me. Because if you can make me look pretty, it's excellent stuff or it's alcohol. I digress. What we've got here then, we get into the late 1700s and both Britain, but particularly France, is awash with hugely elaborate wigs and massive amounts of caked on makeup and fans fluttering in front of people's faces. Fans actually had a type of communication like, I'm interested or come hither or we need to talk privately. These different movements of fans could mean things to different people. Amazing story. There is actually a fan museum in Britain, that in Greenwich, near the Maritime Museum. If everything is caked in makeup and wigs in the late 1700s, where is it in the early 1800s? Where did it all go? And this is to do with a weird moment in history where we're combining both politics with fashion. Because this was what the courts of Louis XV and XVI wanted. And therefore, when we have the French Revolution, it's seen as rather bougie, bourgeois, and people had their heads cut off for that in that time. So I definitely am going to stop with the makeup and wigs then. Then in Britain, it was seen as very French. And whereas the, there wasn't a revolution in Britain at that time, a huge tax was put on both wigs and forms of makeup. Indeed, makeup was banned for a time in Britain under the idea of the unfair advertising concept. In other words, if a woman, if a young woman, before being married, has got all this makeup on, the gentleman, the potential husband, doesn't actually know who the real woman is. This is a little bit like, I saw a comedy routine once saying, if you meet a girl in, the, in a club, this is aging it because now everybody meets people online, but if you meet a girl in the club and you go home and you have some fun, you're not going to wake up next to the same woman because heels not only make a woman look taller, but it can actually tone up the legs. Then you've got support tights with like hidden gussets and support gussets that can just keep everything in. 
And then you've got the, the push-up bra that gives you a larger decolletage, Jem said politely. And then you've got all the makeup and hair extensions, etc. So when all of this comes off, it's like, who are you? Whereas at least with blokes, we're not particularly attractive to begin with, but you do know what you're getting. <sighs> anyway, but you can see, going back to the time of the late 1700s, you have these French officers dripping in wigs and makeup, but fighting bravely in combat and on the high seas. So these men were absolutely seen as something positive and macho. The term dandy is actually from this era, and these people wearing kind of foppish, no short back and sides for these men in terms of their haircuts, but also same thing with their, it wasn't functional clothing, it was very flowing, diaphanous robes and things like that. And so, in other words, you look at them and think, oh, for heaven's sakes, put on a pair of trousers and actually act like a man, in inverted commas. But a lot of these men were extremely popular with the ladies. A lot of these men fought in wars, and yet they were doing it in full makeup. So really, it was this law coming in saying, hey, young women, stop it. And also the taxes making it too expensive for the average person that really made it fade. And it's not until we get into the late 1800s, after the Industrial Revolution, that we have women at home, now with a bit of disposable income, thinking, I want to look good. And indeed, it's at this point where we start getting women having multiple clothing, which I know sounds insane, but if you were a peasant in, let's say, 1300, you had the clothes on your back until they were fraying, in which case you then probably had just about enough money to get some new clothes. Whereas now, because textiles and fabrics have reduced in price, it was a case of the Sunday best. The Sunday best does not go back 500 years. The Sunday best is actually very much a 19th century invention. And so you've got your Sunday best clothes to go to church, and then maybe you're going out clothes, and then your home clothes. So all of this means that from a female perspective, you might well want to change your makeup. Probably you don't want to be heavily made up if you're going to church on Sunday, for example. But if it's Friday night and I'm going to a dance and I want to catch the attention of a young gentleman, then I might well do my hair and get my makeup on. So there we go. We've had... 5,000 years of makeup, we're talking about how the height of it is, sti is still here. It's still incredibly important. And whereas young men are wearing more makeup, that's not the first time in history. Maybe you could say that they are being respectful to the ancient Egyptians, or maybe they're being as tough and as sensual lovers as the guys in the 1700s. Who can tell? Probably not. That's it from me, and as always, another episode coming soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.